Hi, I'm Don Felder, and this is my mixtape. This is Mixtape, a show where a legendary artist tells us the story of their life through the songs they love. Rewind. Let's rewind to the beginning and take a look back at the music that influenced Don's career. I used to sit in my house and my dad loved horn bands like Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, those kind of big band horns that had a lot of horn solos on it. I loved Wayne Shorter, I loved Miles Davis. I love the way a horn player can only play so many notes and then he's gotta stop, take a pause, take a breath and play another phrase. A lot of guitar players pick up a guitar and they just, they just shred a million notes a minute and you can be impressed by the technique, but musically, it's like somebody talking at you at 500 words a minute. You're, you're not gonna understand what they're saying. I remember seeing Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan Show when I was almost 10 years old. You ain't nothing but a I saw this guy gyrating, singing, snarling his lips, shaking his greasy hair at all these young girls screaming at him, going, oh my God. And I thought, you know, I think I'd like to do that. That looks like fun. A lot of people actually influenced me in those early days. At night, you could turn on the radio, and if it were good weather between Florida and Nashville, you could hear Little Richard playing Tutti Frutti. During the day, you'd hear Pat Boone singing Tutti Frutti. Tutti Frutti, it was like a world of difference there. B.B. King. The first album I bought was uh, by B.B. was called The Jungle, and I learned everything on it. I think I'll move to the jungle. It had an excitement and an energy that was just not typically in your country music, the classic old country music, which really attracted me that I I felt it, I loved it, I wanted to do that. So we would go out to this place outside of Gainesville that was actually this big barn where I saw B.B. King playing for the first time. And they had bootleg kegs of beer and an old door turned over on a couple of bales of hay and a stage set up and just odd chairs set around and he was playing there. I think he played four or five sets that night and people were just screaming and crying, and he had a, a magic about his playing that moved everybody in the place. Women were, oh, B.B., tell it like it is, and they would be really emotionally moved. He would take a break and go over and sit in this horse stall in the back, which was his dressing room. So I tiptoed around the back of this barn and went in and introduced myself, and he was the nicest guy. First guitar. I traded cherry bombs to a kid across the street for this broken acoustic guitar he had in the top of his closet. We didn't have any money uh, to buy lessons, so I just remember sitting on this glider on my front porch for hours and hours and hours, just figuring it out for myself. I studied early rock and roll. 
I studied the blues. I studied country music. Chet Atkins was a huge influence on me. He could play literally much like a ragtime piano player. He would play the left hand, jack, boom, jack, doom, jack, doom. And then with his right hand, he would play the melody. And he could play two parts at the same time. He'd develop a whole different, unique style. Same instrument, six strings, guitar, amplifier, but it was completely unique. And to have that ability to speak so fluently with an instrument was way beyond anything I'd ever seen. I wanted to develop those skills. After about five, six years, by the time I was 15 or so, I'd gotten fairly proficient. Now, a music store had opened up, and I wound up teaching guitar there at that music store. And I uh, had some interesting students along the way, one of which was a guy named Tom Petty, who went on to become, you know, the Tom Petty we all know. She's a good girl, loves her mama. A lot of people came out of that little area in Gainesville that went on to be platinum-selling uh, artists and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members, and the Allman Brothers were there. Dwayne Allman taught me how to play slide. Stephen Stills was in one of my bands when we were 15 years old. He left, moved to California. And a few years later, I was listening to the radio one night, and I go, that sounds like Stephen very recognizable voice, and it was the Buffalo Springfield. There's something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear Bernie Ledden, who was one of the Eagles' original founding members, and he actually taught me how to play country music. Tommy Petty and myself, Stephen Stills, and Bernie Ledden all went to the same high school. We were in battles of the bands together with the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner over in Jacksonville, which was about 45 minutes away. We were all in competition with each other, not in an angry, bitter way, but just who was gonna rise to the top and be the best band in, in Gainesville. Don Felder's mixtape playlist. Songs and music that influenced Don's career. From Benny Goodman to B.B. King and Buffalo Springfield. This is Mixtape with Don Felder. Side A. The rise of Don's musical career. When I got to New York City, I literally studied jazz, went to see Miles Davis. It was at the bottom of the Village Gate. Tony Williams, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter playing bass, Wayne Shorter playing sax. Miles is sitting over on the side of the stage. The band goes up, starts playing. Miles slowly starts walking up towards the stage, and he turns his back to the audience. He puts the horn up to his mouth and plays three notes. Ba, ba, da. And everybody's just like, Whoo. He didn't come out just playing a million notes a minute. Then he starts to develop that theme over time, and it gives you a musical introduction, a welcoming into what he was trying to communicate. 
I don't know if it was Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Edison or one of those guys that said, if you want somebody to remember something, set it to a simple melody. I love the fact these guys could walk out on stage, not have sheet music in front of them, and just play. Create every night. It wasn't the same solo. It was just pouring out of them. So I starved on the streets in New York City for about a year and a half, learning how to improvise and play jazz. Made my first uh, album there with a jazz producer named Creed Taylor. He saw me play at the Fillmore East and signed our band the next week to his label. Live your dreams in you. Then I, I moved from New York to Boston, worked in a recording studio there, making $50 a week. After the studio closed at night, I could use the studio myself to make demos, write tracks, put together things, experiment, all the stuff that I wanted to do to learn how to make records. When I finally moved to LA, I could do sessions like that. LA Music Scene. Why, even when I got to L.A., I was kicking in doors and going into sessions and studios that I didn't even know the people. And I walked into SIR. There was a guy named Terry Reed, who was an English blues guitar player. And I lied, and I walked in the door, and I had a guitar and an amp. They looked at me, and well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, your manager told me to come over and audition. Well, he didn't tell us. I said, well, he should have called you by now. And so I went in and just set up and started playing with him. And finally, their manager came walking in and went, what are you doing here? Uh, I was trying to get a gig. Too much self-confidence, I think, is bad, but if you have enough to kick your doors in, you'll get where you want to go. Joining the Eagles. My blossoming as a songwriter was shortly after I joined the Eagles. Bernie Ledden told me, if you want to write songs, write the musical part of it and leave room for Don and Glenn to write lyrics and, and sing. So I took his advice, and during one of these nights, Randy and I wrote a song called Too Many Hands. I was really proud of that because it was probably one of the first co-writes I had on an Eagles record, as well as a song on one of these nights called Visions that I had brought in as a guitar harmony uh, song. I had started writing the lyrics too, and then Don Henley and I finished the lyrics. So those two were really the first couple of things that I wrote for Eagles records. If you think of solos like one of these nights, it's not a rock and roll song, it's an R&B song. I always heard a sax solo, somebody like Dave Sanborn or Junior Walker. So when I wrote that guitar solo, if you listen to it, it's a sax solo being played on guitar. That's really kind of the premise of how I go about presenting solos and making solos up. It's a conglomerate of all these influences. Later, when we were writing song ideas, for what was gonna become the Hotel California record. I was just sitting in a beach house on Malibu and uh, out comes that progression. I had to go record it, put them on a cassette. If anybody knows what a cassette is today, 
and uh, made copies of that cassette and gave one to Don. So a couple of days later, I got a call from Don Henley. He said, you know, I really like that one that sounds like a Mexican reggae. We got together and started writing, and Don came up with some just brilliant ideas. He's a magnificent lyricist, in my opinion. Like, Don has the gift of being able to write little postcards. He throws a line out, and you can see the image. You know, the first one's on a dark desert highway. He throws out another line. Cool wind in my hair. You can almost feel that. So he throws out these little picture snapshots that actually build the storyline to get to the chorus. So when we got into the studio to record Hotel California, I always thought that Joe and I would just sit down, we hit record, I start off and play something. Don Henley comes walking and he says, no, 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 stop. You have to do it just like the demo. I think it took us three days for Joe and I to do those solos on the end of that record. And the labor that it took to get that to that level is, has been worth it. So I would say Victim of Love and a Hotel on the Hotel California record were probably two of my favorite songs that I wrote for that record. Victim of combination in that particular band for that album of having five people in the band that could write, sing, and play. To have that much talent in such a huge abundance was like having the Super Bowl of band talent. With so many lead vocalists and writers and guitar army with Walsh and I and Glenn playing guitar and group vocal harmonies, there was just so much talent and resources to be able to draw from that when I wrote, I would write tracks that I would, almost like you would cast for a, a sitcom. You know the characters, you know kind of how one's going to be goofy, one's going to be the straight man, and you're going you're to write these episodes for those characters. So I would play drums on all the demos because I know how Don plays. He's got to play simple enough that he can play and sing I know how Randy plays. As a matter of fact, I wrote the bass line for Hotel California, wrote the bass line, the bass part for one of these nights because he was in a, storm, a snowstorm in Nebraska and couldn't get into the studio. So well, I'll play bass, so I wrote this, you know, those bass parts. So I would kind of write for each cast of characters. Don Felder's Mixtape Playlist. Side A, rising up in the music world. Some of his own hits, and of course, Hotel California. This is Mixtape with Don Felder. B-Side. A deep dive in insider stories. When we were in the studio recording Hotel, I think I recorded something like 14, 15 guitar parts. When we got on the soundstage to rehearse the show for the Hotel California tour, I had to figure out, how am I going to play those parts? So I remember seeing Chet Atkins when I was 14 years old. And Chet Atkins had wired the pickup so that the low three strings went into one amp on the left side of the stage. And the top three strings, which were the melodies, went out of another jack and went to another amp on the right side of the stage. 
So when he played his particular style, it sounded like two guitar parts playing at the same time. I thought, you know, if I had a 12 string and a six string double neck, I could, you know, wire it that way. And it worked on stage and I've been lugging this thing around for 40 something years ever since. One of the things I did was, I think it was a sad cafe. There'd never been a multi-harmony acoustic guitar solo. So I put together in the middle of Sad Cafe this guitar solo that I think it has eight different acoustic guitars on it, but all playing harmony together. Jimmy Page said, it's not the guitar, it's not the amplifier, it's the person's hands that are holding it. In the spring of 2019, the Metropolitan Museum of Art presented Play It Loud, Instruments of Rock and Roll. In attendance at the opening alongside Don were rock icons Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin and Steve Miller. Stairway to Heaven, to me, is like phenomenal. The writing, the playing, the vocals, the arrangement, the guitar parts he wrote. The one song that I wish I could have written would be Stairway to Heaven. Whoever I was working with, I tried to be aware of their skills, their talent, and kind of adopt them and take them and put them in my arsenal in the studio, you know? So um, a lot of the artists that I wound up working with came through friendships and associations, like uh, Diana Ross. I worked on one of her records because it was being produced by Barry Gibb and Albie Galutin, who were the Bee Gees and the Bee Gees producer. Barry Gibb is a phenomenal musician. He's the only guy I know that when he goes out and sings lead on Bee Gees records, it's not one voice. It may be five or six in perfect unison. It's almost inhuman, but he's got such control over his voice that not only the pitch, but the time and the meter and vibrato are locked in. Problems, problems haunting me. I became very good friends with Albie and Barry. We worked on uh, a Barbara Streisand record together and kind of meet people and they call you and say, hey, we're going to be in town for a week. Would you like to come out and do some sessions? It's always a thrill for me to go into a studio with another artist and work on their project and help them uh, do what they want. So I was fortunate enough to have a lot of people that I knew, met, recorded with, and uh, made records with. Don Felder's Mixtape Playlist. B-Side, A Deep Dive, and Insider Stories. Barry Gibb, Led Zeppelin, and more of his own hits. This is Mixtape with Don Felder. Fast forward. Today and tomorrow. If you write your own songs, you can sing your own songs and you can play your own songs. You can have a lifetime longevity. You don't have to rely on other people to provide you with a good song. If you're a great player, you don't have to have a singer and writers and all that. You're pretty much self-sufficient. And it goes back to hearing people like Aretha Franklin who could write, sing, and play.
today's version of Aretha Franklin is Alicia Keys. First time I saw her, Clive Davis would take her around L.A. before her first record came out. And he would take her to these uh, charity events in Beverly Hills at these big, huge living rooms with a grand piano. Nobody in the house knew how to play. But all of a sudden, all these people would be standing around drinking their champagne, and you would hear her starting to play, and everybody would turn around and go, and Clive would go, oh, that's my new act, Alicia. You're going to hear about her. And she had that same unbelievable self-confidence. Baby, 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 from the day I saw you, I really, really want to catch your eye. There's something special about you, and I must really like you. Gary Clark Jr. writes, sings, plays. Totally different styles, but they have developed all three skills. It's like the triple crown of being a musician, to be able to develop your voice, develop your writing skills, develop your playing, to me, are the people that I admire the most. Orianthe, she's phenomenal. She's probably the best female guitarist that I know today in the music business. There's a big variety of different kind of songs on my new album, American Rock and Roll. There's like hard rock songs like Rock You. And she just doesn't get it. No, 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 no. There's this one ballad that I wrote on piano called The Way Things Have to Be. And I never play piano because I'm just a klutz on piano, but I managed to figure out this chord progression with my limited skills. And so Peter Frampton and I had done a bunch of shows together at uh, Frampton's Guitar Circus. So I had not only learned a lot about Peter, but about the different sounds he makes. When he has a Les Paul and he plugs it into a Leslie, that rotating organ speaker, it sounds angelic. And so when I was playing this piano part, writing the song, I kept hearing Peter's tone. So I called him up. I said, Peter, I'd love to have you play that wonderful Leslie sound you make on this ballad. He went, sure. So I flew to Nashville, went to a studio, a couple hours of laughing and telling stories and just trading ideas and stuff. He plugs in and does it literally in about 30 minutes. But that's The hardest thing of being the producer is finding the right people and putting them on the right track. Slash lives right down the street from me. He and I have done charity work together. Mick Fleetwood and I have known each other since the Eagles toured with Fleetwood Mac in 75. We've done charity events together. We play golf together. We're just friends. And it just, all the pieces fell together on this record. It was just a delight to be able to work on it. I fell in love with music when I was 10 years old. It is my most intimate mistress. It's brought me joy through my whole life, brought me more love than just about anything short of my own children. And every time I get to play music for people, I get so much joy back. 
That's what it's about. Victim of love, you're a victim of love. What kind of love have you got? Don Felder's Mixtape Playlist. Fast forward, today and tomorrow. You can hear my mixtape, podcast, and playlist only on Spotify. Don Felder's signature guitar is a Gibson Hotel California Les Paul. 